Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Damien Pizzanti. And I'm Katie Gillespie. So another week where you guys are going to be hearing a lot less of us and a lot more of everybody else. Yeah, this actually, this show is going to sound a lot like our last show because we've, yeah. uh, we've got Jake Thomas coming in. Well, Jake wasn't on the last show, was he? No, but um, he's made appearances he's made in the past. recent appearances yeah. um, coming in. I think in. he was on the one before That's that. That's what it was. Two weeks ago. That's what it was. So uh, Jake is going to be talking to us about the uh, the state growth board issuing a ruling on the comprehensive growth management plan. Uh, they ruled in favor of uh, some of the complaints brought forth by Friends of Clark County, um, as well as against some of the complaints brought forth by... Some of? Spoiler alert. All of. All of. Sorry. Yes. Clark County Citizens United did not fare well in this case. No, they did not. They did not. Um, He's going to give you all the... All the details and the lowdown on how that shook out and what it might mean. When his story came out the other day, that was just a, you know, hot off the presses. Here's a hundred page Yeah, he got the decision at like five o'clock at night. Like it was quick. And in those circumstances, we as news producers are just going to give you the bottom line, but not, we did, obviously there's not enough time for analysis. Now he's going to try to do a little bit more of that analytics. Yeah, so so he's going to bring in some guests and uh, we'll hear from Jake about what this all means so Mm -hmm. i gotta say like like i'm still just so fascinated by that that growth plan and watching the law is amazing it is it is so incredibly dense but so interesting yeah um so and then um lauren dake is going to make an appearance with uh the olympia update give us a look on what's happening up at the capitol and what it might mean for us down here yeah she sits down with linda will with represent or senator <laughs> senator linda wilson to uh talk about the tampon tax uh efforts that she's been trying to champion mm-hmm. with with not not no success uh no. thus far but so and we're not giving you guys any secrets right now when we say her efforts this year failed yet again in, but uh, n- not for any lack of trying on her part. Right. And so so uh, Senator Wilson will talk about why that's such an important uh, effort for her and what's next for that for that set of legislation, because it's not it's not even though it died this year, it's not going away anytime soon. So no, probably be as, around as long as women are. Yeah. Um, and then as per the usual, we are going to wrap up with our uh, weekend segment with Ashley. Ashley's Corner. Ashley's Corner. I I think that's our unofficial title for it. Yep. But, man, if you like adorable fuzzy animals, this is the weekend for you. Yes, it is. If you like murder mysteries and mayhem, this is also the weekend for you. Yeah, which is um, a very strange combination of things. Yeah, totally, totally. But I feel it, so. Have you heard of this phenomenon called cute aggression? Oh yeah, where something's so adorable that you just want to kill it. Yeah. Oh, I feel that hard. Yeah. Anytime I see something adorable, I just want to shake it. So are these two things, these two concepts really that far apart? No, from they're each not. Other? They're not. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, uh I digress. So stay tuned and listen because we are coming in hot with Jake and company. I guess we'll start with an intro. Um, so, Jamie Housley, you're an, you're an attorney at uh, Jordan Ramis PC, and you are representing uh, RDGB Royal Farms as an intervener, that right? Is, that is correct, yes. Okay. And uh, Tim Trahimovich, you are Director of Planning and Law with uh, Seattle-based group FutureWise, and you also represented Friends of Clark County as well. Is that a correct representation? Um, Jake, that's right. 
So first, the first big question I have is, what happened with this ruling, and why should anybody in Clark County care? Well, I'll let the winner go first. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Well, the appeal dealt with the eight-year update to Clark County's comprehensive plan, and that's a major update required by the Growth Management Act where a county or a city takes a look at how growth is occurring in their community, what the future over the next 20 years is likely to be, and then updates their plans and development regulations to reflect those changes and to try to get the kind of future that the community wants. What the board concluded in this case was that, well, the county did a lot of things right with their update, they also made some mistakes. In particular, they expanded the urban growth areas when they weren't needed. Those expansions were also in the wrong place. They were on farmland and not land that's suitable to be added to the urban growth area. That they made changes to the comprehensive plan and zoning for agricultural land and some of its forest lands that wouldn't conserve it as the Growth Management Act requires. And so I think the winners in this case are the taxpayers, because they're not going to have to serve oversized urban growth areas. And peer-reviewed research shows that compact urban growth areas save taxpayers and ratepayers money. And people who like local food and the jobs and incomes that farms and forests produce. Those are the winners in this case. Jamie, what uh, what what happened with this ruling, and uh, why should anyone care in Clark County? What how it will affect normal people? I think from my my perspective, the unfortunate thing, really, this this comprehensive plan had had problems really related to timing. Um, what what happens when you size urban growth areas is the state of Washington comes up with a, a population forecast that they end up giving to each counties, and it happens on a, a cycle that's mandated by the state um, through the Growth Management Act. And what had happened in this case is our, our timing for our population forecast really was based on the, the key recessionary years of 2007 through 2012. And so the, the number that the Office of Fiscal Management ended up giving Clark County uh, was not what was con it's not consistent with what we've seen here historically in, in terms of the growth. Um, we also were struggling at, at this time in the county with a change structurally in our government. Uh, we moved from uh, a three-person county commission to a five-person county council. All, all the while, this, this massive change in how our, our government was done, it also politically changed our majority there where some different decisions were being made, and yet we were still obligated to uh, come up with a, a GMA plan during, during all this sort of turmoil. Um, I think that this decision, from a practical standpoint, you know, certainly I think, uh, you know, Tim's right by by his clients in saying that that they've certainly won. I think that that's what the hearings board has has stated. Um, but I think that the big losers in this are are the the county citizens um, because we are experiencing rapid growth here again. And we're, we're seeing that reflected in the higher cost of, of houses and, and higher cost of uh, land um, to do commercial and industrial development and actually bring jobs to this community. 
So I wanted to talk about uh, winners and losers. Um, so uh, I guess back to you, Tim. Uh, who, um, who you've you've cl- declared victory um, for in the court decision? It's, I think virtually all of your um, issues were up uh, were upheld by the board. Who, who are the other winners and losers in this uh, this battle? Well, as, as I said, the taxpayers and ratepayers uh-huh. are going to win because they're not going to have to serve oversized urban growth areas. And I think it's important to note that the Office of Financial Management doesn't give a number to Clark County. They do three projections, the population projection within that range. The county did that, and the growth board concluded that that was adequate. Now, if things change, the county can update its comprehensive plan. And in fact, the county's required to do so every eight years. And so they can monitor growth trends and see what's happening. But the urban growth areas before those expansions already had enough land for all the housing and all the jobs that the county needs for 20 years. So even if the county grows more quickly than the projection that the county chose and adopted, they can change that in eight years and they will have 20 years supply of housing right now in the urban growth area. There's plenty of land to meet needs, and if there's a need for it in the future, they can expand it. But the growth board it contains some important lessons for the county. One of them is, is those expansions shouldn't be on working farms. They should be on land more suited to urban development than farmland and forest land. Um, so who would you say lost from the, the in the decision? The only people I would really characterize as losers would be people who wanted a specific change to their land that the board concluded they couldn't have under state law. And so I guess if, if you wanted to convert your land from agricultural land to housing or from agricultural land to commercial development, then potentially you may have lost. But those were just a few in individuals and what we have to look at here really is the broader public benefit of saving taxpayers money saving ratepayers money protecting our working farms and protecting our working forests how diplomatic of you tim no everybody won <laughs> on issue five it was the expansion of all the small cities battleground uh La center ridgefield um they the the, the board ruled that the, those expansions were not needed to accommodate growth um so what's going to happen with those expansions didn't the annexations already occur with those those small cities so the uh, the properties of La Center and in Ridgefield were both annexed to those those cities. Uh, as far as I know, the the city of Battleground expansion area was not annexed. So um, I, again, I'm from my perspective, um, the the court well the hearings board is in a real a real pickle because they recognized in the decision that they don't have a th- authority over over annexed properties. And yet, they they declared the county's comprehensive plan invalid as to those. Um, I'm not really sure that that they can force a, a remedy uh, against either the city of Ridgefield or the city of La Center. So that that's what I was wondering about is is the because of the 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 board noted in its decision that it had annexed that those cities already annexed that land, so it's no longer under its jurisdiction. So so Tim, I want to get your your thoughts on that. What I mean, is the board in a pickle with this? What what do they do? They've made this ruling. It seems to uh, that, that seems like it's not clear what what happens with that. 
Well, I don't think the board's in a pickle. I think the county and the cities are going to need to get together, hopefully work cooperatively to resolve the Growth Management Act violations. In a case out of Spokane County, the Court of Appeals held that just repealing an urban growth area expansion doesn't cure the violation. You actually have to cure the violation. Uh, alternatives that we would like the county and the cities to explore would be de-annexing the land that has been added to the urban growth area. Both of the annexed lands are agricultural land, and so they can be de-annexed under an expedited method under the state annexation law. So we hope that the cities and the county will explore de-annexing those urban growth area expansions that were annexed. I didn't even know you could do that, but uh, what will happen if they don't do that, if they don't de-annex the lands? Um, well, it's, the county is going to have to bring its comprehensive plan and development regulations into compliance with the Growth Management Act. So if they don't de-annex those lands, then they're going to have to take other steps to address them. Um, would they be willing, for example, to reduce the urban growth areas in the two cities by um, an amount that corresponded to the annexation? Would they be able to provide for enhanced protections of the agricultural lands around the two agricultural areas that were annexed? Those, again, are potential alternatives that the county can look at. Uh, Jamie, you have anything to add uh, to that? Yeah, I mean, I would agree to the extent that, that there's a whole, I, I guess we could get really creative on potential solutions to try to get the county out of an order of invalidity. I think personally, another another option to look at really is um, because we've had this, this massive change in our structure of our government here and moving from uh, essentially what was a, a path that I guess we got set on with three prior county commissioners. I'm not sure that that's what the five board members, um, board of county councilors would have necessarily approved uh, last June had they been given more time to deliberate appropriately. And since that time, uh, those two former county commissioners, now county councilors, were, were lame ducks essentially. Um, we have two new ones in there, you know, would it be appropriate to start the process again and, you know, look at new new statistics, uh, new buildable lands models, um, and essentially really see what's going on there in present time, not what was going on between 2007 and 2012. Okay. Um, another thing I want to ask about was the, uh, the, the Rural Industrial Land Bank. Uh, so it's my understanding that the board ruled that the um, industrial land bank that was set up on some uh, some uh, dairy land on the Lagler property, that that was, was invalid. That was an invalid decision by the, the county. Is that, uh, I guess, starting with you, Jamie, were you surprised by that uh, that decision or, or what's your reaction to that? Well, I mean, I th think that the decision sort of said it was, it, it met all these other statutory requirements, but then it got to this one aspect, which I think was one of Tim's big arguments in front of the hearings board is that the county didn't conduct this uh, region-wide agricultural analysis and they not only held that on the the Legler dairy but as well on the La Center property and Ridgefield properties as well so to me it, it seems like that that would be an easy remedial situation for the county is to go back and 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 conduct that analysis and, and maybe try to 
address that concern. Uh, Tim, I wanted to get your thoughts on the, um, that, that was one of the issues that FutureWise brought up in, in its um, appeal of the comp plan was that they didn't follow the state law in establishing that rural industrial land bank. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that, what that, your reaction to that and what that means exactly. The board concluded that the industrial land bank didn't follow the process for industrial land banks correctly and that they didn't set a maximum size for that industrial land bank. And that violated the Growth Management Act. Independent of that, the board also concluded that the county didn't conduct a area-wide analysis of it. But then the board went further. They actually looked at the Growth Management Act criteria that applied just to that those two pieces of land and again concluded that they met all of the criteria for agricultural lands of long-term commercial significance. So just going back and conducting an area-wide analysis isn't going to fix that problem. And, you know, this is the third, second time that people have tried to show that this land doesn't meet the requirements for agricultural lands of long-term commercial significance. And both the growth board and the courts have all held that, yes, this land does have long-term commercial significance for agriculture. Hopefully, the county will get that message and do what it needs to do and conserve this land. Because the county has tried to, to establish a rural industrial land bank in previous comprehensive plans. Is that, is that correct, or have they they've, they've done that before? Is it, do I not have that right? I'm only aware of one other one in the state of Washington, and I believe that's up in uh, Thurston County. So this would be the only the second one. Actually, Lewis County. Lew I'm sorry, okay. yeah, Lewis County. Um, so I, this would be the only uh, second one in the state of Washington. Okay. So what's the future of this land? Is it going to stay in um, agricultural production indefinitely? Let's start with you, Jamie. My assumption is just like most other dairy operations that uh, have been here historically in Clark County, it's they're, they're feeling a lot of pressure from other environmental regulations, and it isn't cost-effective to continue to maintain those those size of operations and a lot of them a lot of my past farmer clients that had uh res you know sort of dairies in the county have moved I either over to eastern washington eastern oregon or idaho where they're they're not having to deal with sort of the wet weather and the regulations that flow from that um, it's just a different climate over there uh, a lot land is a lot less expensive and so they're able to conduct their business and, and do it at a profit, whereas here they're oftentimes running it at a loss. Um, if I could respond to that briefly. Yeah, please. The county's own studies showed that dairy revenues have increased in recent years. You can make money running a dairy in Clark County. Okay, interesting. Um, the other thing I want to ask about was the the Hearst decision. Um, there was uh, it seemed like when I sat through the hearing, uh, I think it was in February. It seemed like th that decision was referenced, and the Hearst decision basically was a Supreme Court case out of Whatcom County that uh, mandated that counties must determine that there is an available uh, source of water for new development. Uh, ba basically, that's what it said, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what did the Hearst decision play into the, um, the 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 board's decision at all, or into the argument? Well, actually, that was one of the arguments that we made on the increase for, of forest densities, the increase of agricultural densities, and then some of the rural rezones. And the the board and they the board did reference that in their decision. So I think it did play a role 
in the board's conclusion that the increase in agriculture and forestry densities violated the Growth Management Act. And, and in fact, the, the board said that it violated those requirements. So it did play a role in this decision. Okay. Anything yet? No, I just the one thing I would I would say is to me the Hearst decision goes more towards what happens in the rural parts of our state versus the the urban, and so again if if the hearings board and our courts have made opinions such as that you know we're out there to try to protect water supplies uh, in in rural areas especially and, and not allow exempt wells to occur anymore. That that necessitates us, you know, again focusing back on on urban growth and potentially shifting or trying to shift from a policy standpoint our population away from creating additional rural lots and placing those future residents in urban areas. And now that we've had a couple of days to to digest it, it's 101 pages. <laughs> Is there anything in that ruling that that either of you found particularly surprising or didn't expect to see, or was it pretty much what you uh, thought it would be? Um, I, I think the only thing that I found a, a little bit frustrating, and I know Tim will vehemently disagree with me on this, but the, the board had cited a, a table, I believe that came from Tim's briefing on the residential densities that the cities of Battleground and La Center and Ridgefield were, were achieving out there. And again what what I find a little bit a little bit disingenuous with this and I know Tim will disagree with this is that those those cities in the past were very rural communities and they had l low density you know there there was a lot of um, houses on bigger lots or bigger even some cases acreage and so in order to come up to to those density targets that both the, the county comprehensive plans and the city comprehensive plans want to achieve it, it takes time um, as, as more developments come online I think what the, the board did a very big disservice uh, on was they they ignored substantial evidence in the record not only from the cities themselves, but the the property owners and stuff about uh, development applications that had either been approved or were in the pipeline, um, showing that the cities were were making a very were, were essentially achieving that that obligation and and trying to do so. So again, I think if the county were to restart the process nowadays, uh, again those those numbers continue to um, move towards compliance on those targets and certainly within a 20-year time horizon they'll exceed it. Uh, Tim, I want to give you a chance to respond to that and also was there anything in, in this ruling that, uh, or this decision rather, that surprised you? To respond to Jamie's comment, the cities argued, particularly Richfield, argued that recent development required more land because it was coming in at lower densities. And so I don't think Jamie's right. I think the most recent evidence, certainly that was cited by Richfield, is that they're still not meeting the density targets in the county comprehensive plan. And what this means then, of course, is that houses are going to be more expensive because you need more land per house. And we're going to need, and because you need more land per house, going to cost more to the local government to serve it with public facilities and services. So I think the board got it right. Those cities do need to work with the county and try to better meet the targets in the comprehensive plan so that housing is both more affordable to the people who buy it, 
but also more affordable to the taxpayers and the ratepayers. The part of the decision that surprised me is that we didn't get invalidity in the rural area. I thought that the board would give us invalidity in the rural area because we did show that development was vesting at one per five acres and could do that anywhere in the rural area because the county had eliminated its comprehensive plan designations for the R10 and R20 zones. So, um, so that was the part of the decision I found surprising. So what? A, let's back it up. When you say invalidity, you thought you were going to get invalidity. What does that mean exactly? What invalidity provides is that development can't go forward under the comprehensive plan and zoning regulations that violate the Growth Management Act. That the development has to wait until the county adopts a new comprehensive plan and a new zoning that complies with the act. Um, and they didn't do that, so now developments can continue to go forward during the compliance period under the rural comprehensive plan designation that was found to violate the Growth Management Act. Let's say the, 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 this ruling, this decision, it stays in place. Um, the county doesn't really just doesn't do much with it. Um, what, what, what will that mean for the housing market? Let's, let's start with you, Jamie. Well, <clears throat> let, me, let me be clear here, first of all. We, this, this decision can get challenged to superior court. Um, I think that you're likely to see that, that happen, first of all. Uh, again, the, 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 there will be this discussion also going on with the county, the cities, and uh, Tim about other ways that the county can get into compliance. But we'll have to see, again, whether or not uh, an appeal is filed to uh, superior court. But back to your question, Jake, the, the, from my point of view, again, the, the county has accelerated its, its growth rate uh, again. Back when OFM was giving out the, the low, median, and high projections to the county, um, again, they were basing it on recessionary data from 2007 to 2012. If we look at the 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 data that's come back the last two years from the state that sort of gives a, a a little bit of a projection as to what's been actually occurring we're seeing growth back close to two percent if i am a betting person come this um this end of june when the the data comes out again uh will likely be even above that um, a lot of my clients are are in a situation where land is at a is at a scarcity to develop. Um, we are moving as swiftly as possible to try to put new uh, housing product onto the ground, and really as quickly as we can put it on the ground, it's it's getting sold. Um, and in some markets where we've never seen sort of that that quick and quick and pace, and my my main concern is is if we don't have an adequate supply. Uh, not only now um, we have this this temporal problem of not enough housing stock, but if if we don't plan enough for it in the future, we're just going to exacerbate uh, this problem even further and continue to erode affordability within our own community. It's it's a real disappointment to me as somebody that uh, has has lived in this this county since 1978 for the better part, except for when I went away to school um, and trying to come back here. You know, community should be a place where people, you know, uh, grow up um, and decide that they want to stay here and invest in it and, and continue to raise their families here and continue to do that. 
the way housing costs are going in this county, I, I, I can't really necessarily say that that's, that's going to be the future of here. And that's, that's a real, I think, a real disservice to us. So, so you think that this the decision as it stands currently, it'll just make land more scarce and drive up the price of it? it it's going to make land, from my perspective, it's going to make land more scarce. Uh, it's going to make housing costs exacerbated even even further. And um, and while a lot of me agrees with what what Tim says, you know, part of the reason for the act was to try to 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 move people in into denser product because it's it's uh, more cost effective to serve it from an infrastructure standpoint. Um, again, if, if we are still not having enough land to accommodate the population that's coming into the region, um, all we're doing is we're, we're creating an artificial um, uh, housing spike because of lack of inventory. And that, that's what we're seeing now today throughout the Portland metropolitan market. I think it has positive implications because this decision tells the county and the cities that you need to implement reasonable measures so that we can get more houses where we want them in our existing cities and towns. The decision says Bridgefield and La Center and Battleground, you need to take a look at your plans and regulations and make sure that you're getting the housing densities that you need. And they also say, don't expand your urban growth areas onto working farms. That's not the way to accommodate growth. So I think this decision will have a positive effect on housing production because it'll remind the county and the cities that they need to get the housing production that we need that's affordable both to the buyer and to the community. Clark County Citizens United, they were also appealed the plan. Uh, I gave them a I invited them on the podcast. They refused. Um, last I heard from Susan Rasmussen, after the decision came out, she chalked it up the bias. Why? Why they seem to have have lost almost every single, uh, virtually every single um, uh, issue that they brought about the the comp plan. Um, it looked like they they were essentially saying there was bias against um, uh, rural property owners. They wanted to create an R one, R two, smaller lot sizes. Uh, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. See if you wanted to weigh in on. Uh, Clark County Citizens United, their their appeal and and why it did so poorly. Hmm. I know both Carol Levinen and Susan spent uh, an incredible amount of time providing testimony to the the board of county commissioners and then county councilors, and I know that they also spent a lot of time um, submitting written comments and submitting evidence that that they thought supported their position. I think, unfortunately, um, their their issues or their concerns mostly rely in, in, in problems with the Growth Management Act itself, and not necessarily what what the county did or didn't do uh, in its own comprehensive plan. Um, I, I think that you know the the act sort of sets this the, these bright line rules, except in situations of rural centers of having a minimum of, of five acres out there, um, and it. it does not like to favor people creating one and, and two acre lots. And if that's what they envision as uh, what their constituency is after, then I think their appropriate place to seek remedy is with the legislature. I think that they had two problems. One was is that a number of their issues related back not to this comprehensive 
plan, but the comprehensive plan really two rounds ago. And those issues had already been resolved by the boards. The county had brought that plan into compliance and to try to dredge those up in 2017. And it, it's just not going to work because those issues had already been addressed. So that was one of their problems. And the second problem is, is that some of their policy prescriptions just aren't feasible. We don't have enough water in Clark County to create a lot of one-acre lots. The, the ecology has set aside reserves for the in-stream flows. They already, the county already has more lots than can be accommodated by those in-stream flows. Creating a bunch of other lots just means that people will have lots they can't build on because there's no water. It's one hundred one page a decision. Uh, had a couple days to read through it. Is there anything else that you think people should understand or should know about? Um, the question of water that you brought up um, is going to continue to be an important question for the county long term. The board recognized that that was a serious limit on creating a whole lot of new lots on the agricultural land, the forest land, and, and even the rural area. And so I think that is a factor that the county is going to need to take into account long term. We've already seen wells go dry in Clark County where an area is overdeveloped. We provided that evidence in the record. Hopefully the county will do a job of managing growth and matching it with water availability. Well, the only, the only things I would, I would say are watch for two things. Um, that are sort of outside the decision. One is that, again, we have two new county councillors with uh, Councillor Quiring and Councillor Blum. It'll be interesting to see their their take on the decision and, and where the county should uh, move in order to get into compliance or you know whether it's to start a new process again. The second thing I, I would say um, really evolves around some of these court decisions that we've been seeing recently, as well as sort of the new regulatory environment in the state of Washington that, that hasn't come into play uh, yet. And by that, I mean, for instance, we're, we keep, well, Department of Ecology, for instance, keeps issuing our NPDS phase one and phase two municipal stormwater permits. And in there, there's a, a, a ton of new regulatory impacts on you know the size of stormwater facilities, for instance, inside developments, uh, the size of, of roadways uh, that that employ LID and um, not that also impact how much land we actually have to to place housing or or jobs on, and yet a lot of those new regulatory um, issues haven't been accounted for in the county's vacant buildable lands model. And so if if we're assuming that a certain percentage of growth is going on lands that we, we can't actually construct on because storm ponds have gotten bigger, um, I think we have a, a bit of an accounting problem. And so that'll be something to watch for uh, in the near future. Well, Tim Trahimovich, uh, Director of Law and Planning at FutureWise. Jo uh, Jamie Housley, uh, Land Use Attorney with Jordan Ramis. Uh, hey, th thank you both so much for making time to do this. It's been really great. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, thanks to both of you as well. Hi, I'm Lauren Dake, state politics reporter for the Columbian, and today's Olympia update is with Senator Linda Wilson, who represents the 17th Legislative District in Washington State Senate. Senator Wilson, thank you so much for being here today. 
Thank you so much for having me. This session, you introduced two measures really aimed at trying to help domestic violence victims. One, I believe, was to exempt feminine hygiene products from retail and use tax. And then if that measure failed, you had a BACA measure that would reallocate those taxes to help domestic violence victims. Why were these important measures for you to support? Okay, so I... The first bill was to exempt the tax, and I had gotten a lot of emails over the course of the last couple of years that said, please get rid of the pink tax. Um, basically, uh, in even in different countries, they call it a luxury tax, and quite frankly, it's not a luxury tax. The fact is, these products should not be taxed. I think that they're medically necessary. Our other medical products are not taxed, and so I really felt that it was the right thing to do to remove the tax completely if because of whatever re reasons in the budget it can't that couldn't be done I thought okay well then if we can't remove the tax maybe we should reallocate it to um, and for me it's it was d domestic violence victims I know um, with working with the um, elder abuse down here in the Elder Justice Center that along with um, just visiting the YWCA and you know different entities like that, the 211.org and all that, that there are um, a lot of women out there that can't get the help because they can't get it prosecuted or the, or um, maybe the we don't have enough law enforcement to basically um, help them directly. I mean, it, it, they're, it, they're kind of thin in that, in that area. I believe right now we only have one half of a FTE, a full-time employee, prosecutor for these particular cases. So the money that was going to go from that tax was going to go toward law enforcement and prosecuting attorneys. And uh, when I calculated it out, I, I thought it's less than two cents a day, 65 cents a month, give or take, and no more than about $350 in your entire lifetime of childbearing years that um, you pay on these, on these taxes. And I thought if we could do something good with the taxes because singularly it is not a big tax you know you're talking about 65 cents a month but collectively it would have quadrupled the amount of funding that would go to our prosecuting attorneys and law enforcement to help this this cause um, for me um, it's a it's an issue that I grew up with and so I know that uh, even 40 and 50 years ago there was very little places for someone who had been um, involved in domestic violence and so for me um, I know how it affects families and I know what needs to happen and so any support that we can give those domestic violence victims I felt the need to do right okay and I like you said, it, it's not that much money, and it's to a cause that I think most people could get behind and believe in. I don't see very many lawmakers saying that they don't want to help domestic violence victims. So what what's the hurdle? Because it's these measures that they don't look like they're going to pass this session. You mentioned earlier that you're going to keep working on them in future sessions. But what are, what are the hurdles that you have to overcome for these to become reality? You know... <laughs> 
for us right now, it's 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 a budget issue. It's um it's a pretty large fiscal note. It's like twelve million dollars first year, like I think nineteen million the second year. Um, right now, because we're having to deal with McCleary, I, you know, we need to get that off the table, and then maybe we can start looking at um, where other monies can go, and you know, gathering more support. Because as I um, entered this, um, dropped this bill this year like I did last year, um, the more that people talk about it and find out about it, they're more supportive of it. And, you know, I'm not, um, I'm willing to look at different options within that, within the funding, you know, because I looked it up and and did a little research and found that there were 50,000 domestic violence reports uh, last year, or sorry, in 2014. And 70% of those are women. In statewide, that's a statewide, statewide figure. Statewide. Oh. This is WASPIC that was um, yeah. the information from. And, um, you know, that that's that's a lot of people. And yeah. the bill, in fact, it does. It was entitled the Women Helping Women Act because, quite frankly, when women are down and out, it is the other women in your life that come to help you. Um, you know, you've got a, a daughter or a, or a mother or a friend that is something's going on it's the women that go to help and so i really thought that you know if we had had to do something with the funding i really thought that this would be the uh, best way to go and uh like you mentioned the state legislature is in the midst of trying to solve mccleary which is the school funding crisis and and really needing to figure out exactly how much money they're going to need for that and pass that hopefully this session um because I mean, overall, people are saying that's something like a you know three billion or more mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. Cri- crisis that needs to be solved. To me, twelve to nineteen million dollars. This sounds like a tiny drop in the bucket. Not that much money. So, do you think? I mean, you know, relatively not that much money. <laughs> so, do you think once you get this McCleary out of the way and have another session to work on this, this is something that um, that will continue to get support i think that after i um start if i have more time to talk to to my new colleagues right i haven't been in the senate i'm, I'm new in the senate so uh just being have an opportunity to talk to my colleagues and um you know let them know what i'm doing and and maybe come up with some better uses of the money in the domestic violence field. Um, I know that I had some interest when I was in committee there asking if I'd be willing to maybe open it up a little bit to other programs that would be that are needed. And you know, if that's the kind of research we need to do, then uh, certainly I, I you know I'm willing to work on the bill. So um, you know I and you know you talk about well, we can't do it because it's a small amount, but you know if you take the twelve million here and the twelve million there and you know the fifteen million that are other places in other in other programs, it all adds up right. and we we're running pretty skinny right now, and so I kind of felt like that's probably the direction it was going to go, but it's a I can run it again, I'll try again, and then you know it that's what you do. you have to be persistent in these things and and then you know then you get a good result right. And this is um, something I've heard about happening at the national level too, and see- seemingly gaining some momentum there. Is is that where 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 did the idea for this bill come from for you? You know, it wasn't anything nationally. It was just knowing what our what we need in Clark County. Um, I'm like I said, I was on the public safety committee. I'm now on the law and justice committee, and so I work closely with our uh, law enforcement and. 
No, and also being involved in the community like I am, I'm uh, very well aware of what we're lacking. And so I've been talking to quite a few different people involved in, like I said, the elder justice and, and that, and having toured the YWCA and chatting with them and knowing what what is needed there. And then with um, my history, with, um, you know, when I was growing up, um, I it just was I don't know, it just came to me. It just kind of went, well, gosh, we really need this, so why not, you know? You know, if you don't try, you, you don't fa- you, you, you you would fail if you don't try, right? Right. You, that's so, um, that's that's why I just thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it that way, and yeah. Great. Well, thank you, thank you for stopping by today. I appreciate it. Is there anything else on, on this topic that you'd like to say? No, I, I think it's, uh, it's a good bill, and uh, I'll, I'll be out there in the community, and uh, I already have some advocates out there that are working hard on other issues that are associated with it, and we'll just get it out there, and we'll get more support, and, uh, you know, just we'll just keep working it. Great. Right. Senator Wilson, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. All right, so we are sitting down with the incomparable Ashley Swanson uh, to tell us about what's going on this weekend. So welcome back, Ashley. Thanks for having me. So what have we got going on? Well, this weekend is sort of an overload of cuteness. Um, it is Alpaca Palooza yes. officially. Um, that is when a tons of alpacas descend on uh, the fairgrounds at the event center. And you just get to learn all about raising alpacas. Uh, their owners will be showing alpacas. There's judgment on how fine alpaca fur is. And it's really just an excuse to just go pet and feed and, and watch adorable animals do their things in their adorable alpacas, alpaca ways. Yeah, it's kind ah. of a hard word to say, isn't it? And then you <laughs> add palooza to the end of it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and all better it's uh, free admission for the public uh, just a six dollar parking fee at the event center and, and uh, it's from nine to five on saturday and uh, eight thirty to two on sunday so cool mm-hmm. um and then if you know you're looking to avoid any rainy weather starting on thursday will be a uh, game storm which is the annual sort of board game tabletop uh, Palooza, if we're going to keep the theme <laughs> up, of of just fun. So if you're ever, if you've ever wanted to play, you know, um, some of the more advanced board games like Settlers of Catan or uh, Ticket to Ride, uh, along with like t- entirely brand new games, uh, that all happens at GameStorm. Um, it's it's really kind of fun because it, it it's a, just an excuse to play games for like 24 or 48 hours. <laughs> Um, so the convention runs from Thursday till Sunday um, at all hours of the night, uh, but registration's kind of open during the day um, for, I think, tickets run from about $30 to 45 for a single day admission with like 75 for a weekend pass. Um, it's actually taking place at the Red Lion uh, on Jansen Beach this year. It used to be in downtown Vancouver, but they, they moved to a bigger hotel. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Games. Um, and then uh, Ridgefield, Ridgefield's doing a murder mystery game, actually, this weekend on Saturday. Oh. 
What does that mean? <laughs> it's basically like a live action clue. So you go That's to cool. you go to Overlook Park and you get sort of um, some clue hints, and then you kind of go around and try to figure out uh, who was murdered. And I think there's a bunch of like community members involved as as suspects with air quotes. Oh my God, Steve Stewart did it. <laughs> the city manager did it. Like I don't even have to be there to know that he did it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's supposed to be a lot of fun, and then they all have games and other things going on in the park like the the saturday market and and stuff including like i think a, a dramatic reenactment of the murder um but yeah that'll all be free on saturday from like nine to two is that part of the first saturday that is they do that okay. is their first saturday event cool. so yeah murder mystery and Ridgefield. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, fun yeah and then um i don't know if you've heard about the brew fest for ms Mm-mm. So We're it's gonna. it's a it's a fundraising event that kind of um, brings in all, a lot of local Vancouver and Clark County brewers to kind of um, raise f- money uh, for the National S- uh, Multiple Sclerosis Society, at least the local chapter. It was started five years ago by um, Team Roadkill, which is a bike for MS team that kind of uses uses it as a way to raise additional funds. Cool. Um, and that'll be Saturday from two to ten at the Brick House. Uh, I think it's about fifteen dollars of mission with some tasting tokens and um, glass. And then if you have an old bike that you want to donate, I think bike of bikes of Clark County are, are accepting um, bike donations, which they then kind of fix up and give give to deserving people and kids. Awesome. So, yeah. And then lastly, uh, what's happening this weekend is um, something called the Umbrella Festival. And it takes place at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. Not to be confused with bumper shoot. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's it's great because uh, there's a lot of um, variety entertainment and entertainers and aerialists and just um, circus folk who get together to kind of showcase all the different styles and variety that exists in kind of the modern um, movements. So there's um, everything from, it starts Thursday with like contemporary like aerialists and um, new wave jugglers and things. And then it goes all the way to like um, dirty burlesque and then like a family matinee and then like uh, the rising talents of youth um, in in the scene. And so that's um, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, there shows at 8 p.m. and then two matinee shows on Saturday and Sunday. And almost every show is all ages except for one. Um, and to- guessing that would be the dirty burlesque. Yes. <laughs> dirty burlesque. It's true. Um, and then it, it kind of ends on Sunday with like a big, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it sounds like it's like part rock show, punk show meets uh, sci-fi monsters meets robots meets. Yeah. So uh, tickets are like 20 to $40 with like uh, discounts for, for kids. So get your circus freak on. Yeah. Vaudeville times. Sounds great. Yeah, and that's that's kind of some good highlights for this weekend. I mean, there's always more to find and more to do. So, top choice would be? I, these are my top choices. I always try to bring <laughs> you the best of the best. You, the, the, you always ask me to pick. I do, I do. And you always give me the same answer. What do you mean? I, these are the best. So, <laughs> I was really expecting you to say that uh, um, you were going to go to Alpaca Palooza if you were going to go to any of these. I Is mean, that a fair guess? Fuzzy wuzzies. Are, are really hard to resist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. As usual, fun-filled weekend, chock full of entertainment in the Portland and Vancouver metro area. Get out and do something. Do stuff, people. Have fun. Woohoo! It's gonna be Netflix. Is gonna be there all the time. Can't pet a Netflix. 
you cannot pet a Netflix. <laughs> Why is that not the slogan for Alpaca Palooza? <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for your suggestions, Ashley. All right. So that is our show. Shazam. Uh, so this was episode number 25. We are a quarter century. Really quarter century. So. Bainty Cinco. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Spanish class. <laughs> So I learned a lot. You guys learned a lot. I think you learned a lot because, um, yeah, I learned a lot. I'm sure you guys learned a lot. And that's a wrap. We're going to have another show for you next week, as we always do. What are you doing this weekend, Damien? Are you going to Alpacapalooza? I might. I might go camping. Um, I plan on going to the pool again to work on some work on my kayaking form and uh techniques any big plans for you this weekend no i think we're gonna i think we're gonna hit up hackapalooza i want to ask you as the former county reporter who before jake picked up the torch was really in really invested in keeping tabs on this land use decision oh my god i like still have dreams about those meetings was this decision a surprise to you? No. Uh, did you expect no. this outcome? Yes. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing is, is that is that the um, the concerns over public process that Clark County Citizens United brought forward. At the end of the day, the members of Clark County Citizens United had a, a certain degree of public process that the rest of the county did not get. So, what do you mean by that? Because no other land use group, no other organization, nobody else in the county had direct access to a counselor who wrote them essentially their own alternative. Mm. So the, the, they came back and said, well, we weren't... You mean a special interest group had access to a <laughs> lawmaker? Well... <laughs> You know what I mean, though, you know, right? I, like, yeah, completely. And I mean, I'm being cynical about that right now, but that is, I feel like, the very thing that people complain about when that happens on exactly. like, the state and federal level of exactly. politics. So, so how for, is it okay on a local level? So for so for Clark County Citizens United to come back and say, well, we didn't get, we didn't, the public process was incorrect, we weren't listened to. That's not that's not true. Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Did there did there did alternative four make it into the final plan? No, it didn't because there was overwhelming evidence that it wasn't going to pass muster with the growth board. Mm-hmm. That's not them being not listened to or them not being heard. That's In fact, this, that's their ideas actually getting put into policy and then getting shot down by existing policy. Right, exactly. So, um, and then the uh, the components of alternative two that made uh, that made minimum lot sizes smaller. Um, I mean, if that wasn't okay under alternative four, like why wouldn't why would it be okay under alternative two? Sure. So, sure. Um, so no, I was not surprised at all. Um, mm-hmm. What it means for growth in Clark County and the fee—I mean, who knows? But um, right. I mean, this was a major win for environmental groups. So yeah, I would say handily so. So, um, which I have to say for the environmental community and the things happening at the federal level, man, they need a few wins right now. So I'm sure this comes as a big relief to those concerned about local land. Yeah, use. it's a little bit of a um, little bit of good news for those who um, those who value. Uh, who who hold these values for sure so yeah well um the big question now is is this going to get appealed well i know um clark county citizens united has already indicated that they're going to be uh taking this to the courts so Mm -hmm. um so i mean we could be we could be dealing with the aftermath of this for years potentially potentially so i mean well when you say that aftermath that 
I feel like that suggests that if they are actually going to win any of these court cases, right. and if and many courts would be willing to pick them up after yeah, one court's right. initial ruling is made, right? Exactly. So, 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 but no, the I mean the potential is definitely there. Yeah. But it seems like if this went to court, I mean this could very well, and they win. I mean, this could have huge ramifications for mm-hmm. how the state decides that local jurisdictions need to decide their land use. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is potentially pretty significant. I mean, to, to reduce large swaths of land in unincorporated Clark County into 10-acre lots, 5-acre lots. I mean, the, the long-term repercussions of the ability to do that um, in a county like like Clark is is I think pretty significant. So no question. No so I guess question. we'll see. So yeah. So funny that I said at the top of the show that this was going to be an episode where they wouldn't hear much from us. Here we are. <laughs> going well, no, I'm ways. glad. I mean, you know, I spent so much time in those meetings. You know, Jake was here before or after they approved that growth plan. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he's dealing with the aftermath and everything, but, you know, having sat in meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, slowly going insane after listening to eight hours of testimony, mm-hmm. um, I'm glad to be able to provide some of that insight because that thing was cray, yo. Mm-hmm. That was an exhausting time. So. Yeah, I do not doubt it. I think I think what um, what still is up in the air, and and maybe it's irrelevant now that Dave Medora isn't on the board, but you know some of the some of the the interpersonal and employee ramifications of that entire situation. Um, I'm not sure where uh, Oliver Rogiaco's whistleblower complaint is at this point. Um, I'm not sure where Greg Ferguson and and well where Oliver's lawsuit is with the county brought by Greg Ferguson. So, um, so there's still some, some personnel type of ramifications to work through when it comes to that growth plan. Sure. Sure. Well, um, I'm sure we'll be able to read about that more in the future when uh, Jake picks it up. Yeah. It's Jake's problem now. (laughs) Yep. So anyway, um, thanks for listening, you guys. And you know the usual places you can find us, right? Any, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast, you can find Clark Talks. But I, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever. Yeah, I really want you to tell your friends to listen to us because that would just be great. Mm-hmm. I hope we produce content that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, and I, don't forget, this is uh, posted at Columbian.com on our homepage every Thursday as well. So check it out there. Yeah, and you can get in touch with Katie or myself. Um, we both, it seems like you guys really like to reach out to either of us at our personal email addresses, which is great. You can find us both on Twitter as well. And, or if you just want to go straight to the podcast, you can email it at podcast at Columbian.com. We'll get it no matter what you do. We'll so. get it. We're here. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs>